Are you satisfied with your understanding of sustainability? If not, like me, imagine a journey together, a pluralistic one, with innovators, startup, academia, NGO, all together looking for solution to the greatest challenge of our time. I'm Samuele Tini, and this is the Sustainability Journey. Welcome to another episode, and today we are going to discuss sustainability with an expert and a professor of strategy. We are very pleased to welcome here Martina Pasquini. She's the Associate Professor of Strategies at EI Business School in Madrid. Martina, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Samuel. Nice to be here and to contribute to your uh, program. Your research and your work, you are on, also in the B Academics. You have done extensive research. So we know that you have an impressive curriculum. So before that, before going to the professor and, and the work, so we want to know who is Martina? how you have ended up in, in sustainability. Sustainability is a journey. And uh, indeed, uh, I have a PhD in management and from Bocconi University in Italy. And uh, my interest uh, of research uh, has been always in the area of strategy and strategy of innovation, but always study from a demand uh, perspective. Uh, over the time, my research has evolved from uh, pure technology strategy to uh, the inclusion of uh, themes of uh, social impact and uh, social uh, responsibility. Uh, there was a turning point in my, let's say, my career when I was awarded a Marie Curie Fellowship from the uh, European Union through the measure day of Horizon 2020, where I presented uh, a proposal uh, to study uh, this new form of companies uh, called B Corporations. And my proposal was entitled Between uh, Social Value and Profitable Performance, the Case of B Corporation. And B Corporation were this new form of businesses certified, profit-seeking, but uh, which received uh, a certification to have uh, a social impact on different aspects. Uh, the the governance, the workers, but also consumers and community. Yeah, and uh, consumers and community uh, were the trigger for my interest because uh, I was used to study uh, consumers and users in uh, strategy and uh, in the innovation. So like community of users that uh, uh, diffuse the innovation, that improve the product, uh, that entering the new product development process. I was studying brand community and how uh, users identify with a brand and stay loyal uh, to a company. Company. And uh, this was the moment where I could say, okay, I can study also uh, different types of communities, communities of value. And so how uh, companies can strategize through identity-based uh, mechanism. And so like uh, as a part of my background, I've always had the kind of boundary spanning uh, interest uh, because uh, I've always mixed uh, theory and interest in social psychology. I've studied empathy, perspective taking, social identity theory, uh, cognitive dissonance. And so like I thought that the big corporation could be a fertile uh, background for uh, new streams of uh, research. And this, uh, yes, has started my journey of uh, sustainability. And just for the curiosity, when I wrote my proposal, uh, in my proposal, there was written, big corporations are this new form of business that uh, now count 1,000 big corporations in the U.S. And now 
uh, we are uh, almost 6,000. And in Europe, there were only 20 in all Europe and UK. So like imagine that uh, in a few years, how this phenomenon has uh, increasingly uh, grown. No, I can see also, we, we have hosted people in the B Corp and it's really a movement that has now gone, we can say to the moon and really making waves around the world. And, and I really like Martina, how from your dissertation, your work and PhD, the Marie Curie and, and your work that you have done uh, with the, your um, fellowship and work, you have found your purpose and really become an expert on the sustainability. And a bit you have already also led me to the second question that is there that I wanted to ask you, because when you were discussing, you pointed out B Corp and the social value, the environmental value, but also you said a word, profit seeking. So social and financial goals, sometimes they seem like an oxymoron still in many businesses. So since you are teaching the future generation of leaders there in Spain and into the world, so is it really an oxymoron how they can be together? Uh, yes, uh, this is uh, uh, a challenging question, but uh, uh, it's a hot topic nowadays uh, uh, in academia. But already the fact that nowadays we are wondering uh, if uh, this is an oxymoron and uh, like uh, uh, some other field of studies uh, would, uh, would label like uh, uh, logic, two different logic. Hybrid organization talks about logic. Other theories talks about paradox. Okay, so just the fact of uh, being aware that uh, this uh, oxymoron can exist, it's because uh, uh, nowadays uh, the society takes for granted that uh, these two purposes might uh, coexist. And uh, nowadays the challenge is uh, how handling this uh, shift from social to financial, vice versa, or their uh, coexistence. And so um, we talk on how to organize for good, the organization for good. And uh, yet I don't have a positive answer here. So how to govern uh, this uh, duality. Uh, yeah, there is uh, this. Uh, the key question is uh, whether and how we can or, uh, organize the social goals to be financial uh, viable, and also how nonprofit uh, organization can adopt a new organizational model to embrace a different uh, way or uh, unconventional way of attracting uh, fundings. In a recent study that I've done with one of my colleagues, Marco Giaratana, we have published a revision on uh, the governance of businesses for purposes on the Oxford Research Encyclopedia. And uh, we revised uh, what has been so far. And uh, we found that uh, there are two ways of uh, dealing with this uh, duality. Okay, on the one hand, there is the assumption that uh, company must create a business model that integrates business, uh, so social purposes and financial purposes. So social and economic goes hand in hand, but uh, they must create synergies. Okay, so this is, and uh, there is a challenge, the authenticity imperative. So like uh, internal values and external actions must coincide. And if you want, uh, for instance, uh, an example, like uh, uh, think of Patagonia, like this is a way of integration of uh, uh, social and uh, uh, financial uh, performance. 
So like there is this balance, but there are synergies. On the other way, there are uh, other ways of uh, strategizing, but uh, with the assumption that uh, these tensions exist, the only way to find a solution is the one of finding incentives or ways to smooth this type of tensions. Okay, so like uh, all of these studies or all of these uh, research is more focused on uh, finding internal incentives, for instance, to employee and uh, create internal governance to, to reduce uh, inter internal uh, conflict. And uh, a lot of studies and a lot of research in the domain of uh, uh, hybrid organizations is in these, uh, in these uh, areas. For instance, if, if I want to give uh, an example, in one uh, uh, very famous uh, uh, research published on uh, Academic Management Journal by Julie Batigliana and Silvia Dorado, uh, these two experts uh, were studying uh, uh, some microfinance uh, uh, organization with first commercial logic. And uh, they found that uh, the only way to smooth the tension uh, between the commercial and the social logic is the one of create a new type of identity because uh, there is not uh, an easy and uh, a ready-to-wear model. But it's like the the company needs to transform in something uh, different. So, and uh, beyond these uh, social and, uh, and financial uh, goals uh, also uh, must be considered in a short or long term. Nowadays, there are uh, debate on which are the best uh, KPIs. So like, uh, unfortunately, uh, there is uh, still a lot to say because there is not a unique uh, strategy or uh, a unique way to govern uh, this type of uh, organization. Thank you, Martina, for the discussion. And it's really interesting to see the academic debate on how we can resolve the oxymoron work on the social side and the financial side. And usually in the podcast, we also go towards the audience and we try to see uh, those debates. But how? how if somebody is listening, maybe some businesses, some, some leaders, some managers, they say, hey, Martina, you have done an awful lot of research on this topic. Which are some practical tips that you can give us? What we can really do, what we can really implement to, to go towards our journey? I keep three main uh, takeaways of my research uh, that I think can have a really a kind of practical and managerial implication. Uh, first of all, uh, we always talk about uh, CSR and uh, sustainability, pro-social initiatives. Uh, yeah, but all of these initiatives are heterogeneous. So like, and uh, uh, not all uh, actions create the same value for the companies and for focal stakeholders. So which are the, how you have to design sustainability actions. So in uh, some of my research, for, for instance, I found that the role of proximity of CSR actions matters a lot towards customers and employees. More specifically, if a company invests in uh, social initiatives that are closer to the stakeholders, closer to an employee, closer to a consumer, this creates more value because it's perceived, okay, more authentic, because it's more visible, uh, because there is a more sense of community. 
and still uh, closer not only to the focal customers, but also closer to the firm and the headquarter itself. Because uh, this is a matter of efficiency. And uh, so like uh, we, uh, through our research uh, that it's lasting a few years, we collected a lot of evidence and yes, this, uh, we found that the proximities of, uh, to the stakeholders and to the firms create more uh, perceived value, but also proximity to the core business. And this is very important. Because it's like a company running a business in the food and beverage, okay, uh, should also give a charity in the schooling or in the poverty, in some uh, education, or it's better that is investing in maybe in uh, recycling aluminum. And from our evidence, we noticed that uh, the actions uh, that are closer to the core business are the ones that are perceived uh, more authentic. So companies don't do everything, but uh, be focused on something that uh, usually you are known for. Okay. And then I have other two things that to me are very important from my uh, research. Nowadays, uh, still uh, regarding being focused or being uh, broader in terms of uh, social goals. We talk nowadays a lot about the social developmental goal, the SDGs of the United Nations. And if you read the uh, corporate report, the social corporate report, many firms declare that they have attempted and attained to <laughs> tackle all the sustainability goals. Okay, but this is the right or not? So like, uh, which is the identity? It's better, so like, uh, which is the, we talk about variety, variety in terms of uh, diversification. It's better to be uh, focused on some specific uh, goals, like the example of Patagonia before, but also the example of uh, uh, kills, focus more on the diversity, on the, on the gender diversity. Uh, so like, he has a very um, um, coherent uh, image on few goals. Yeah, uh, we found that uh, there are trade-offs because uh, uh, the brother, is your uh, identity and broader is uh, your uh, scope of uh, uh, SDGs, the more stakeholders you are uh, tackling and maybe you comply with uh, many external forces. But uh, on the other hand, you, the company cannot be perceived completely authentic because uh, it doesn't have a, a focus, a core focus. Uh, in in its uh, uh, values okay so like uh, uh, it depends on uh, different types of uh, contingencies and then the third and final point how to communicate these uh, sdgs and uh, the involvement in different uh, social actions with the two colleagues of mine still marco jaratane and mila miric uh, from the from the university of southern california uh, we uh, analyzed uh, how companies communicate uh, their social involvement through branding using trademarks, so registered trademark. And we saw that the way in which the trademark and then the way they are associated to product, so because trademark are brand, 
change the effect on the perception of consumers and the perception of the messages that the company uh, convey. If the trademark is more visual or verbal. Verbal, meaning that uh, there, it's uh, more an explication of uh, which are your goals and uh, what are you doing with this sustainable product. And visual is just an image that it's evocative. On the one hand, you reduce the kind of uh, asymmetry of information between the firm and the market. And so like uh, you are communicating a kind of authenticity, but on the other hand, the visual is the one that uh, evoke more emotions and feelings. And so they usually are the one that uh, reduce the transparency, but boost uh, the sense of uh, community and involvement. So these matters. And we also noticed that uh, if you use some wording in a false positive way, uh, meaning I use health, I use green, I use word in misleading context that can be considered like false positive message, uh, this punishes a lot the firm. So like uh, uh, how to communicate also the, uh, your, the firm's involvement is very crucial for the market reaction because all of these uh, strategy affect finally the firm's market value in different, uh, in different way. Fantastic, Martina. This is a tremendous uh, amount of insight and work in your of your research, and I'm sure I will ask to have the links that we will put in the description of the podcast of the papers, because it's really uh, important insights that they can really make people, as you know, and give people insights on how to organize and how to walk into the sustainability journey, also to be aware of which are the trends and how they can improve their performance and work. And, you know, I think from your research, you are now uh, a professor of strategy and strategy it is fundamental piece of what especially at one of the leading business school in Europe you are training the next generation so we know that there is no planet B we always have discussed that so which strategy would you recommend to fulfill all these pledges that we heard uh, last week I was uh, a few weeks ago I was at the African Climate Summit, a lot of pledges. We will have COP soon and then may more. Uh, and to transform the economic system from extractive to the regenerative. I know it's a tough question. And I know as a professor, you are also responsible to train the business leader, the CEO of the future. Yeah, this is a difficult one because uh, as I also told you before, there is not uh, for the moment a consensus on, uh, the, uh, on the right strategy. But uh, uh, let's try to, to make uh, uh, things clear, like uh, on my perspective, of course. So I can give two types of uh, suggestions. On the one hand, like uh, we can uh, face uh, this, uh, uh, this issue from uh, a supply side, so from a firm-centric uh, perspective. Okay, and uh, and clearly because uh, how to transform this depends. We cannot have a unique and comprehensive answers, but from uh, the firm standpoint, it really depends on the on the sector. 
where the, the firm is uh, operating. And nowadays, uh, for instance, one of the buzzwords is uh, zero impact, uh, carbon footprint, blah, blah, blah. but, uh, you know, uh, while I was doing a study on uh, sustainability using uh, patents in uh, semiconductors, I discovered that uh, one of the main pressure in this uh, industry is the water uh, savings and the water uh, and the water wasting because uh, water is a critical uh, resource uh, in, uh, in the semiconductor uh, process because uh, they are need uh, it's need to uh, water is need to rain cool clean uh, the wafer of the semiconductor so like uh, you you discover that uh, each industry is uh, a world apart so like uh, which is a takeaway uh, of uh, of this it's like that uh, each industry has its own uh, materiality and so like uh, there is not a unique strategy and so each industry must be understood uh, deeply uh, from uh, its operational standpoint okay because uh, uh, it's uh, uh, in each industry there is uh, a particular type of uh, pressure that must be solved and so like uh, and through the real understanding of this pressure firm can uh, save uh, resources can recycle resources can create a kind of resource circularity and i think this is one of the solutions but how to uh, uh, how to do this uh, of course uh, company needs to uh, invest in innovation and uh, r&d and uh, given that uh, you mentioned the planet b it reminds me a case uh, that i wrote on a spanish based company ecoalf i don't know if uh, all of the audience is familiar, but it's a, uh, it's a typical example of company that integrates the business model in its business model, the finance uh, uh, objective with the, with the social one uh, founded in 2009. Uh, it's one of the first, if not the first uh, company that used 100%, so the total amount of thread uh, recycled and recycled from uh, uh, from where? From uh, plastic bottles, fishing nets, tires, and uh, he has also a patent that uh, uh, through which he can also uh, use uh, coffee powder into the polymer. And uh, so like, oh, when you buy a sneakers in EcoAlf, these sneakers was a bottle. And uh, the advertisement of EcoAlf is like, when you wear this jacket, uh, you are wearing 30, bot 30 bottles of uh, water. So like, uh, you, they passed really from uh, one of the uh, pressure in the fashion industry that it's one of the most polluting to uh, individuate what where is the where is the source of pollution so let's try to reorganize our operations in order to create a circularity of resources clearly it doesn't come out of the blue there is no kind of magic there is the knowledge there, there is investment R&D, not only in-house, but uh, with the alliance, with joint ventures, not only in Europe, but also outside Europe. But there is the effort of uh, changing. So, and uh, I told you, 
two types of uh, answer. This is from the first, from the firm standpoint. And there is another type of uh, answer that it's more, uh, let's say, philosophical and uh, dreamer, that it's more from a uh, uh, demand standpoint, uh, meaning that uh, uh, how we can uh, change the economy, like uh, the start, uh, uh, the start is ourselves. So like uh, it's the education, the awareness, the use of best practice every day. So like uh, starting also from a conscious consumption and uh, it's utopia say no consumption because it's impossible, but the conscious consum uh, consumption, uh, trying to consume and buy a more sustainable product uh, from uh, firms that are more committed to uh, the sustainability, uh, to the well-being, not only of the planet, but the well-being of uh, their employees and stakeholders uh, in general, uh, without falling in the trap that uh, also if you overconsume a sustainable product, you might uh, uh, be in the trap of uh, uh, the fast fashion or the fast consumption. So like, I think uh, uh, the awareness that uh, we must uh, change the way of uh, living, uh, it's a little seed that uh, we must instill to this uh, genera new generation and uh, can help to understand the world and interpret the world differently, maybe in the future. It's a more dreamer position, but if we don't start uh, from something, uh, we don't arrive <laughs> to uh, any point. No, Martina, you are totally right, because as we know, of course, this management, the work that you say, also the example of EcoAlf is a wonderful one. Uh, but of course, it also depends on the, the our choices. And as you say, it might be a dreamer, but <laughs> we have to start. And dreams, you know, sometimes become reality. And I think also we are trying to educate and the work of the podcast is really this one too, to make more people aware and understand the, the importance of this journey. And to become a dreamer, you have to teach and to learn and to foster the business of good. And you are, uh, as I say, an educator, somebody that really creates dream to become reality. You have now, you are involved in the academics and also uh, you are now also involved in the, the academics in Spain and uh, being one of the leaders, you know, to, to, to see the research and the work of the business for good, this new form of enterprises and businesses in, in the area. So how are you shaping the research and the new leaders of tomorrow in, in, in your daily work? How you are trying to, to really shape the research, the work towards this future, this dream that you are mentioning about? Yeah, I'm part of these networks of the academics, both at global level, but also in the group of, uh, of Spain. And uh, first, uh, we try to spread the best practices. And so like uh, uh, we try to spread the research, uh, we try to spread the case studies, teaching tools, uh, uh, so content, uh, uh, formative modules, not only to university, but also to enterprises. Uh, um, we are volunteers. So like uh, uh, it's something that we do uh, from a vocational uh, point and uh, beyond the research that it's a part of uh, of work that I really like I sometimes it's frustrating the research because it takes lots of time yeah but uh, 
I always think that uh, I'm also mm, I can have the opportunity more than other people to to make a social impact, uh, and it's uh, through the th teaching. Okay, and uh, imagine I teach a, a class of strategy where uh, there is the what is the purpose of the firm? It's the maximization of the pro of the profit. So, like, uh, yeah. I had to teach uh, the mainstream uh, strategy and the mainstream uh, tool, but I'm also challenging uh, the new students uh, with the new way of, uh, of interpret a uh, business. And so I always include uh, in my syllabi, my examples, uh, examples, uh, examples of uh, businesses with purpose of uh, this uh, hybrid form of uh, businesses. And uh, we try to discuss uh, together uh, all the challenges that uh, we have mentioned uh, so far. So like uh, how to stay financially viable uh, in front of uh, some uh, in, in front of some uh, social uh, social constraint and uh, but uh, so like uh, it's a it's a way of enriching the mainstream approach uh, with new ways uh, of um, uh, of doing uh, strategies and uh, business but i always uh, try to push uh, my students not only to um, to study uh, business for the sake of business but i i think that uh, they also need and also it's something that also we try to do with the curriculum is that to include uh, other uh, type of skills like uh, as I was mentioning uh, before, like uh, uh, we must create a different type of mindset. So like uh, the new leaders, uh, the new managers, uh, the new generations uh, uh, must be generation with a different thinking schemas. Okay, uh, they must be able more to handle with uh, paradoxes, with this uh, duality of uh, objectives. They must be more... Uh, open to empathy processes. So like, uh, I think that uh, the education also in uh, social science must be accompanied to other types of, uh, of skills, not only um, uh, also engineering skills, because uh, you are a strategist, but you also need to know the operations. Okay, so like technical skills, but also soft skill and psychological skills, because uh, uh, the world is becoming more complex and then uh, we cannot just uh, cultivate and uh, target uh, your own uh, little uh, area, your own little uh, garden, but you must be more uh, boundary spanning. And I always uh, uh, try to transmit uh, this uh, to, to my student. And uh, if uh, in a class of 50, I try to, uh, <laughs> to convince at least uh, one or two, for me, it's already a, a success. <laughs> I know you, you are a leader and you, you, you are able to convince and really create and shape them into what we are really in. I really like, you know, the paradox that you mentioned and the world because it's really sometimes paradoxical, but we really need to, to put together. It's not, it's not a, a time of maximization, full stop. We really need to have this broader, this broader look. I have a work, but not now with the data or evidence, with a colleague of mine that uh, uh, we are trying to see uh, how different types of educations 
So like uh, keeping, uh, being exposed to uh, classes of, of social impact or with the more social oriented uh, content, uh, which type of consequences have on the, uh, of, on the mental schema of, uh, of the students. It's a long uh, um, research because of course the, uh, the results uh, uh, can be measured and tested in the long term. So, like, uh, but uh, uh, when I will have some uh, some results, I will uh, share. <laughs> Fantastic! So, we are already booking you for a second episode, maybe in one year or two year times, to see the, the where your data and which are the the result of this very interesting actually research. And as I said, I mean, you have already given us a wonderful insights of your work and uh, discussions, and we, we and uh, we, uh, we and we have already booked you <laughs> for another episode. But as usual, we ask people, uh, our guests, to give one tip or two, one message, something that for people that are joining their sustainability journey, they are starting in their journey. Which advice you can give? since you have already walked a long way. Sustainability is a journey and uh, it starts uh, from uh, our childhood. So like, uh, because uh, uh, with our childhood, with the primary education, because as I told you, we need uh, to shape uh, a mindset that it's able uh, to welcome and to receive these uh, new forms of living and uh, new forms of doing business. So like, uh, the first uh, suggestion is that uh, uh, the education is uh, the most important tool that we have uh, nowadays to teach that uh, now the sustainability, it's not an option anymore, unfortunately. So here I can say unfortunately, because uh, we are in a world uh, uh, characterized by climate change, uh, resource scarcity. So like it's not an option, it's an imperative. And so, like, uh, it uh, urged that we change our uh, behavior, because uh, if we want to have uh, a better future, okay, we must start with this type of uh, uh, mental uh, revolution. So, like... Uh, and uh, uh, sustainability and social impact, uh, it's not just uh, climate change and the resource scarcity, but sustainability is also social impact on the society. So like uh, every aspect, so like uh, every day we can do our little piece to make uh, the life of the other better, just also with a smile. I think that uh, this is uh, the advice to take uh, uh, the everyday life with light tender and to make uh, uh, the other people's life uh, better because we have all, nowadays a lot of problems. And so like uh, we cannot fight and win one day, the big fight, but we can uh, win and fight every day with uh, little battles. And so like, uh, let's try to help each other in, uh, in some way to, to contribute to the social, personal social impact of uh, each one. It, I, I'm a dreamer, I know, like, <laughs> but... Uh... Fantastic. And, and I'm sure your students are inspired by your smile, everyday smile when you enter in class, and really they can be shaped and become 
future leader with a strong social inclination and really do strategy in their own companies in or being where they come after the school to be sustainability leader. So I'm really thankful to you. Thank you so much, Martina, for your passion. Thank you to you, Samuele. It's a pleasure uh, also to have uh, met you here in other circumstances and uh, for all, uh, for all uh, what you do to spread a lot of information and construct this uh, network. It's also sustainability. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Fantastic, Martina. Thank you, thank you so much. A real pleasure. Are you satisfied after this wonderful episode? Let's continue together our sustainability journey.